Thank you, Lord. Yes, Whether there's just a handful of us here in this building and those that are in their homes and wherever else they're watching. God, I pray that we would be in one mind and in one accord, that we would remember the faithfulness of our God. We need to remember the times that God has delivered us yes. from our circumstances, whether we've been ill, whether we've had financial issues, whether there's been family discord, where there's been times that we felt to the point of such despair, we'd rather stop breathing than to continue living. But we have hope because we serve the God of all hope. We serve a God that is diligent. He's faithful. He's ever seeing. He's ever hearing. Yes. He knows us by name and he hasn't forgotten us. Hallelujah. He's with us. Just as he was with those disciples on that boat and that storm raged. Hallelujah. He was resting. And they were in such fear and such anxiety. They forgot who was in the boat. They forgot that it was Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the Master. Hallelujah. And they allowed their fear Jesus. to forget. But tonight I pray, let us not forget. Let not these circumstances that we're in, let not these illnesses and, and all these things that just seem to bombard our hearts and our minds and our emotions, let us cry out to the one and only that can set us free from yes, our fears, from our doubts, from our illnesses, from our pain, from our depression, our distress. We serve a great God. Yes, he Lord. is mighty. Yes. If he put the stars in the heaven. Hallelujah. And he spoke to the wind. He will speak to our circumstances. Yes, you will. Thank you. And then he will speak the word of peace in the midst of our storms. Oh, Abba, Father, help me to remember that. Help us to remember that. Help us to remember your faithfulness. That whenever our adversary comes to whisper that you have forsaken us, then we should open our mouths and worship and praise you and exalt you. Because in our worship and in our praise, like Pastor sang, we receive liberty and freedom, and our distresses fall down. Be glorified in our circumstances. We ask this because we know that we know that when we come to you, you will answer. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Praise the name. I want to segue into another topic of prayer. I'm so mindful that in this moment that we're living in during this pandemic, where we haven't been able to gather together, has it also presented an opportunity for us to be able to reach our loved ones, our friends and family that don't know Christ as their Savior through a typical or normal setting like in church. But I believe that God's not limited to that. So tonight, I want us to pray for all of us that have that loved one that's not saved, be their family, be their friends, or co-worker, someone that maybe you have been longing to see in God's house, lifting up their voice and blessing the Lord. Uh, I know that we are going to be gathering on March the 7th back into God's house, but uh, we can even bathe their name in prayer. We can go bring their name before the throne of grace and ask God to do something supernatural. Supernatural. I can't help but reflect back to a time where uh, my younger brother uh, was far from God and, and didn't want anything to do with serving God and uh, was uh, being overwhelmed by a cocaine habit. And yet we were storming heaven on his behalf. And one evening, in the middle of the night, sitting on somebody's stoop, God got a hold of his heart. Wasn't in the church service. Nobody preached to him. Right there, supernaturally, the Spirit of the Lord came, and he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. I believe tonight that if we would cry out to God uh, like never before for that unsaved loved one, God will hear, and God will answer by moving in a supernatural way. I'm going to invite Angelique. She's my assistant. She's going to come up tonight, and uh, she's going to lead us uh, for the, on behalf of that unsaved loved one. You lift up your voice at home there or wherever you're watching. Lift up your heart with us for that. Name them before the throne of grace. God, touch this, uh, this loved one and get, let God hear their name. And let's believe God together tonight that God is going to reach them in a powerful, supernatural way. Angelique. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because we all know that we were all lost one time, but we are found. And Father, we all need a Savior, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that Hallelujah. tonight, oh God, even as we pray for our loved ones, Lord, the ones that are lost, that we say are lost, Jesus, we pray that they will find you, Lord. Find yes, you Lord. in the midst of their trouble and their struggles, Lord, in the midst of the the lies that the enemy is saying that they're too far from your reach, oh God. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that they will have an understanding that your arms are not that short that they cannot be reached, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that you will reach from the heavens, oh God, and grab them up, oh Lord. I pray, Jesus, that you will move the mountains that are in their way, oh God, so that they can come and see you and reach you, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you will set a person there to preach the good news to them that they need to hear, oh God. Send your people, oh Lord, to 
capture them, oh God. I pray, Lord, that they will bend a knee, oh God, and call out your name. And in this time, oh God, their hearts, Lord, will be captured by you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray that they will never go back to their old ways, Jesus, yes, that they will continue, O oh God, to seek and search you and who you are and who we say you are, O oh God. Yes, Lord, our lives are living testimonies of what you can do, O oh God. Yes. Lord, you have taken us, Jesus. You have wiped us clean with your blood, O oh God. And there's still power in that blood, Jesus. And we serve a God that is able to do all things, O oh God. So I pray, Lord, that they will have a time today, O oh God, Hallelujah. to say, Lord, I need you. And I pray, Lord, that in that time, oh God, that they'll accept you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus. Yes. And Lord, that they will keep running after you each and every day, oh God. Yes. Even the backslider, oh God, I pray for them, oh Lord. Yes. I pray, oh God, that their sin will not just help them captive, oh God. Yes. I pray, Jesus, that even as they're in their sin, Jesus that they will hear yes. your sweet voice calling out their name saying come yes lord come i'm here i'm here for you and that they will grab your hand and never let go yes lord so father i pray that they will turn from the errors of their ways oh god and turn to you their savior jesus yes so, Father, tonight I say, Lord, hear our prayers, Lord. Yes. Hear our prayers and allow us to, to see the evidence of those prayers, oh God. Lord, we Hallelujah. pray that when we open Sunday, oh God, March 7th, Jesus, that those backsliders will come back to you, oh Lord. That the unsaved will come and run, oh God, to your house, Lord. To be in your presence, oh God. Let it be so, Jesus, for your glory, oh God. Let it be so, Father, I ask. Lord, let them know that you are still present in their life, that you're still present even in yes, the chaos, O oh Lord. Let them know you are still able, O oh God, to forgive them, O oh Lord. Let them receive that love, O oh God. In yes, your precious Lord. name we pray. Amen. 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 Now in that 107th Psalm, the four, the four times that God heard the cry of his children and responded there after the, the word of God exhorts the people of God to offer up praise and thanksgiving for his faithfulness and what he has done. So tonight in faith, can we take just a few moments to offer up praise and thanksgiving? Because I believe God is going to hear and answer our prayers tonight. So let's take a few moments to do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that we can come confidently and boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you that you hear the cry of your children tonight, oh God. We thank you that your ear is inclined to our cry, oh God, that you know the stress that we go through, oh God, and, and the desires that we have to see that those unsaved loved ones 
brought into the kingdom. And so even now, we praise you for answered prayer. We praise you for the many times you have heard our cry and responded. We thank you tonight and we praise and magnify your name because your name is above every other name. We recognize that it's not above the name of an organization or a man, but we lift up and praise the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who sits in, uh, at the right hand of the Father, even now praying on our behalf. Oh God, we thank you. We praise and magnify your wonderful and holy name. Amen and amen. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. Let's continue to cry out to God because he's going to move in such a powerful way. I truly believe that. We're going to see this year a year of great harvest of souls. Even in the midst of this pandemic, God is not limited and held back or hampered because of this. And we're going to see the Spirit of God move in a powerful way. Let me share the thought that God's put in my heart for all of us here tonight. Sunday, we began a new series called Kingdom Principles. And we explained that by principle, we meant that uh, the definition of a principle is it's a guiding belief or a, a law. And in this case, a guiding belief or a law that governs the very kingdom of God. And we're using the gospel of Matthew in this series because Matthew uh, exemplifies uh, and exalts and identifies Jesus Christ as Messiah, the, the Christ, the anointed one, the king of the Jews, the one that they had been waiting for. And so uh, we saw this past Sunday the, the kingdom principle that God uses imperfect people to communicate his perfect message. And by that, we meant this, that our mission given to us by God, the mission of every Christian is to tell everyone about Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we can't wait until we feel that we are worthy enough. We can't wait to say, well, when I'm a better Christian, when I'm living a, a more a spiritual life, then I'll tell people about Jesus because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite or anything of that nature. And we saw and were reminded on Sunday that if we are waiting for that day, that day will never come. No, God uses imperfect people to communicate his perfect message. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I should just simply accept our imperfections. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, in the latter part of verse 11, grow to maturity. Grow to maturity. Another translation says aim for perfection. And what that simply means is that spiritual growth Spiritual maturity is a process that we should be working towards, that we should be aspiring. I've titled this uh, thought tonight, The Process of Perfection. 
That is the goal of every believer. It ought to be the goal of every believer. It, our goal ought to be, I want to spiritually mature. I, I want to aim for that. That's my goal in life, to be spiritually mature. And to aid us on this journey, I want to talk to you tonight about three kingdom principles that is found in the Gospel of Matthew, in the first chapter, right after the genealogies, which is what we focused on this past Sunday. So I'm turning to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read from verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Our text now contains three kingdom principles that are integral, essential to this process of perfection that is our subject tonight, this spiritual maturity that we should all aim for. Let me share with them briefly what they are. First principle, don't allow emotional pain to dictate your response to hurt or disappointment. Don't allow emotional pain to dictate your response to hurt or disappointment. When you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph was engaged to be married to Mary. And uh, in, in biblical days, an engagement was just as binding it, uh, as the marriage. The marriage itself was a mere formality. Once the engagement was established, you were as good as married. And Joseph now surely had this wonderful plan, saying, I'm going to be married, Mary, and we're going to have a great family. We're going to raise some children and live happily ever after. And all of a sudden, Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant. And all of his dreams are shattered in that moment. Now, Joseph, according to the uh, uh, rabbinical law, he had a right to expose Mary. He had a right to declare publicly, I am divorcing Mary because she has been unfaithful to me. She is with child and the child that is not my child. Now, the result of that would have been that according to the rabbinical law, 
Mary would have been stoned to death for being unfaithful. But Joseph made a decision not to hurt Mary. He was hurt, but he made the decision not to hurt her back. Now, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 20, human anger, listen, does not produce the righteousness God desires. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting Mary. Uh, many, excuse me. Okay, now, what does that all mean? It means this. A reality check for all of us. We will not be able to go through life without some emotional pain that comes as a result of somebody hurting us, somebody disappointing us. It is unrealistic to think that we can go through life and no one is ever going to cause us pain. No one is ever going to disappoint us. No one is ever going to say or do something that hurts us. The reality is that will happen. It will happen in your home. It will happen in your church. It will happen on your job. You are going to go through the pain of somebody saying or doing something that hurts you. And here's the second more important reality. The decisions governed by the pain of that hurt or disappointment produce greater pain. In other words, let's take in marriage. If I hurt my wife, now you know that's just a, a, a fake scenario because I never do that. But if, if I hurt my wife, right, if she decides, well, he hurt me, so I'm going to say or do something to hurt him back, that only produces a greater pain in her life and in my life. So that's a reality check, that decisions that are governed, when you make a decision that is based upon your pain, you are going to make a bad decision, and in the end, it's, your bad decision is going to produce more pain. When we decide to cause pain to the one who caused us pain, we only make the matter worse. So in this kingdom principle, and remember, when we're talking about kingdom principles, these are the spiritual laws, if you will, that, that govern the kingdom of God. If we want to be Christians, if we want to be part of the kingdom of God, these kingdom principles have to guide our life. They have to, our life has to be structured around these kingdom principles. And so the first one is, is that we can't make these, uh, uh, allow emotional pain to, to cause us to make these bad decisions. Joseph decided, Mary has hurt me. She's wounded me deeply, but I'm not going to pay her back that way. I'm going to divorce her privately. I don't want to hurt Mary, even though she's caused hurt to me. Here's the second kingdom principle. And here's the one that you need to buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be hard for you to sit still and, and not jump up on this one. But here's the biblical principle. Disappointments are part of God's plan to advance his kingdom. 
Let me say that one more time. Disappointments are part of God's plan to advance his kingdom. You see, Joseph was disappointed that his fiance was now pregnant and the child wasn't him and his whole world in his mind has come crashing down and, and everything that he had purposed and planned in his mind was now ruined. But Joseph didn't realize that his disappointment was actually God's plan for his life. The Bible tells us this in Romans 8.28 and we know that God causes everything, come on at home, say everything with me, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God works everything. That means, everything means my disappointments, my hurts. God works the, the hurt that I received, the wound that I received from that loved one, from that, that person that I, know, I never thought I would get it from. God works everything out for the good. And that means your disappointments. I was talking with somebody yesterday and reflecting on how there was a part of my life where when I was in the business world, I became the pawn in a battle between two vice presidents in my company. The vice president that I re reported to and the vice president that wanted control of my department. And it got to the point where there was so much stress being put on my life uh, that I decided I was going to quit. And I walked into the president's office and I, I, I explained to him what was going on and I said, I, you have my resignation. He asked me not to resign and to allow him to straighten this thing out. He called both, both by president in front of me on a conference call and told them, if Carlos walks, one of you is going to walk with him. Settle this thing. The vice president that wanted control of my department came to me and said, Carlos, I am going to win this battle. I want you to stay with me and stick it through because I've got a plan for you. Well, ultimately, he did win the battle, and his plan was to remove me from my position as a manager and transfer me into another department where I was at an entry level. I was not at all happy, but I felt from the Lord that I needed to do this thing, and I got trained in learning how to read financial statements. And I had to go to school for that and, uh, and get some um, minor accounting under my belt. And I never understood fully why God allowed all of that to happen until we began a new church, in, in, uh, a church plant in New York, and a team of 30 of us left the Brooklyn Tabernacle to start this church uh, plant. And the the lead pastor, my best friend, Pastor Durso, came to me and said, Carlos, you're the one that has the accounting background and knows about handling the books, so you have to be the accountant and the treasurer of the church. And so I realized at that moment 
that the very thing that I did not want to do, and I was wondering, why is this happening? God, it was part of God's plan all along to equip me and prepare me for the work that he had for me to do. You see, there are things that happen in our life. Joseph was disappointed that, uh, about when he discovered that Mary was pregnant, but he had no clue of what God was already planning. And yet, in the end, he was incredibly blessed because he was chosen by God to raise up the Son of God. Listen to me while I'm talking about disappointments are part of God's plan to advance his kingdom. Notice, I was very specific, it's to advance his kingdom. We, we, we like to change Romans 8, 28, say, God walks all things out for my good. No, the Bible doesn't say my there. It says the good. Of those who are called according to his purpose. God will always orchestrate and work everything out, including the disappointments in your life, to fulfill his purpose for your life. Lastly, the third kingdom principle God operates from what we need, not what we want. God operates from what we need, not what we want. You see, Joseph and Mary, and for that matter, all of Israel, they were all waiting for Messiah. They were all waiting for their king to come onto the scene because they were currently uh, uh, being ruled by Rome. They were under that Roman oppression and the cry of their heart was, we need Messiah to come. And in their minds, we need Messiah to, to deliver us from Rome and set up and establish the kingdom of God. That's what they wanted but notice that God said, you want to be saved from Rome, but my son is going to come and save you from your sins. You see, they wanted a physical deliverance, but God knew that they needed a spiritual deliverance. God always operates from what we need, not so much what we want. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us in Isaiah 55, but it bears reading again here tonight. God says in verse 8 of chapter 55, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than than your thoughts. What God is simply saying to us tonight is, Carlos, you operate from what you want. I always operate from what you need. And the truth of the matter is, you like to confuse what you want with what you need. But you can't really discern that. See, you and I really can't discern what we truly need. Only God can do that because God is the only one that can see our spirit. And what's really lacking therein. And God is always focused on our greatest need. And our greatest need in our life is always, first and foremost, spiritual in nature. We like to elevate the physical above the spiritual. 
And so we, we like to focus constantly on, God, this is what I need. This, I need a job. I need this. I need that. I need a new car. I need this. Oh, God, I need you to do this, move this way. And, and, it, and it really is all that we want. God looks at us and says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. What I focus in on is always what you need. And what you need is spiritual. And when God sees what we need, which is always spiritual, he often uses the physical to get our attention. You see, during this pandemic, there's a lot of prayers going up, and understandably so. Asking God to lift it from the face of the earth. To bring healing and deliverance physically. But I think it's important that we recognize that God has allowed this to happen and to be here for this long to get our attention. You see, because our greatest need is not the lifted of COVID-19. Our greatest need is the lifting up of our spirit. And making sure that we are in a right place with God. And I believe that this pandemic has served to hopefully get us on notice, to, to get to a point where we realize, man, life is so brief. And in a moment's time, everything that we have grown to be dependent upon and think is essential for life, it could all be stripped from us in a moment. It helps us to recognize we've got to make sure that we're in the right place with God. That is our greatest need. Amen? Pastor Jason, if you would come. Just begin to play quietly uh, as I get ready to close in prayer. The Bible talks about aiming for perfection. That it should be the goal of every Christian to want to mature spiritually. To want to grow Spiritually. And the process of that perfection involves making sure that our life lines up with these kingdom principles. Because if they're not governing our life, if they're not governing our actions and, and, and governing the way we think and process, we will never spiritually grow. We will never mature. Let me just recap them once again before I close in a word of prayer. Don't allow emotional pain to dictate your response to that hurt, to that disappointment. Don't react and say, I've been hurt, so I'm going to hurt back. You're only going to make the matters worse. Disappointments, hurts, if you will, they're part of God's plan to advance his kingdom. And God always operates from what we need, not so much what we want. If you and I will structure our lives around these kingdom principles, we will be taking steps toward that spiritual maturity. Let's pray. Father, we come before you one more time here tonight. 
I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that tonight it has helped us to understand that although you use imperfect people to communicate your perfect message, we are not to just simply accept our imperfections. That we should be striving, that we should have that goal of being perfect, of maturing spiritually. And your word has helped us tonight to understand that there are kingdom principles that our life has to be structured around if we're going to grow spiritually. Help us to see, Father, to understand, to realize more than ever before. I pray especially when it comes to marriage and family because that's the atmosphere where so often we, we, we elevate our disagreements by hurting one another. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back. And the enemy has a field day because now spouses against spouse and there's been hurt for hurt, oh God. Or even siblings, oh God. Have all kind of unrest in the home because one has been hurt and therefore wants to hurt back. And we only keep making the matter worse. So I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart. Help us to see the truth of this kingdom principle. That even our disappointments are part of your plan, your purpose to advance your kingdom. That you have promised that you're going to work all these things out for the good. There's going to be something that is going to produce in our life a spiritual growth, which is what advances your kingdom. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray for the patience and the grace we need to trust in you for that process and to recognize that you always operate from what we need and not so much what we want. And our greatest need is always going to be spiritually first and foremost. And every decision that you make, everything that you do, everything that you don't do for that matter, is all to help us to grow spiritually, which is our greatest need. Thank you for bringing these kingdom principles to light tonight. May the Spirit of the Lord seal this in our hearts where we might grow and bear fruit to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. As always, let's continue to lift up our hearts in prayer, especially for those unsaved loved ones or those wayward loved ones. Let's believe God for great things because he's a great God. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday where we're going to continue our journey through the gospel of Matthew and talk more about these kingdom principles that are outlined in his gospel. God bless you. Until then, stay safe.